Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 193 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, and I'm here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. What's going on? Uh, well, I'm really good. You know why? Because in real life, you're on a plane to come visit me today. The day <gasps> That's th- right. The day this comes out, which, of course, is the not the day that we're recording it. You're no, far, that far would be away. Weird. <laughs> you're far, far away from me. <laughs> yes. I also I am not in California right now, unfortunately. You, you do not want to be. I know we swore off talking about the weather, but I'm, we're getting all of the rain out of the way. For Please you. get it out of the way. I want sun. Because it has not stopped. I have enough gray here. Yeah. Six days. I think we're on day six. (laughs) Um, Okay. Hi, guys. Um, We have a really fun show today planned for you guys. We we know everyone is talking about decluttering this time of year and everyone is talking about the new Netflix show tidying up. Are you seeing this sure. in your feed, Megan? I am. And you know, I, we've talked about condo before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're going to condo me a little bit today or we're going to condo each other or we're going to like condo <laughs> together or something. Um, everything uh, I would say almost everything I've read has been overwhelmingly positive and has said that it's like a joyful, like she's super sweet yeah. and just positive and non-judgmental. And that makes me kind of want to watch it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll get to it, but, but yeah, I, I think it sounds like it's a good show. I have yeah, not watched it. I'm sorry. I've heard mostly really positive things as well. I mean, there's always going to be kind of the people eye rolling, but the funny thing is you and I can never just take a topic and like talk about it. We have to turn it upside down and right. kind of be backwards about it. So what this made me think of this idea, if you're not familiar, Marie Kondo wrote the life-changing magic of tidying up. Now she has a show. It's, it's a lot about letting go of the stuff that we're holding on to that's really not serving us anymore, which I, I can c- totally get behind that. And I, I really agree with a lot of what she says. I read the book, have not watched the show, but it got me thinking about the stuff that we do want to hold on to either yeah. literally or figuratively. So what we're going to talk about today is the actual 
physical material stuff that we've moved past these phases as moms of little babies and then toddlers and preschoolers. And we're either still holding on to it. Like in a lot of what we're going to talk about is maybe still in our house, or maybe we've condoed it. We've let it go, but it just represents that like, Oh, like it's that, it's that object you hold in your hand. And Marie Kondo would say like spark joy, but we're not talking about spark joy. We're talking about, Oh, like it just brings back a time, a a time from the past. And the good news is we're talking about this very metaphorically. So like, we're not actually going to create a time capsule and save all this stuff. We're just talking about the stuff that we would, the stuff that is so meaningful from those. Well, let's talk, I want to talk about the idea and I didn't intend to go here, but like, let's talk about this whole idea of a time capsule anyway. What makes a time capsule special? Um, It's that the stuff's not around you all the time. Yeah. And I think often when we hang on to things, we hang on to so many things or we hang on to things for the wrong reasons, yeah. and then they're just, they become ordinary. So right. like the special becomes ordinary because there's too much of it. Yeah. And we're not actually using it, but it's like becomes clutter. Like, right. do you really want this precious relic from your baby's, you know, first weeks to be just clutter that's right. like lying around? I mean, that's, that's no fun. So I love the idea of turning this on its head and making it into a time capsule because the great thing about a time capsule is you don't, you look at it once every 50 yes. or 25 years. You don't look at it all the time. And that's, one of the reasons I love that I've been very um, selective through choice and intention, but also just through life circumstances in some cases about what I've hung on to, but also a lot of it's just ended up in storage containers in yeah. my basement. And I only look at it once every five yeah. years. And when I do, it's special. And that's one thing I think is really cool about, about when you whittle things away to what yes. you really want to hang on to. And the other thing about a time capsule, if you think of like the historical ones, is they're really meant, they're meant to be like everyday objects that represent yes. life. And I think that's why the the phrase time capsule came up for me, because often the things I find most sentimental be, I'm, that I am most sentimental about are not um, an heirloom or the birth yeah. certificate or like the first christening outfit it's like the it's the sippy cup lid that just is still in the drawer 10 years later and it's so it's so um every day it's so pedestrian that it it has a bigger significance so it's so pedestrian that I think when you and I started like later in the in the show we're gonna talk about some specifics um based on age yeah I was unable to come up with any for middle or high school because yeah. I wouldn't recognize them yet. Right. You don't like, know. I don't know what those things will be yet because we're still in it and they're still I'm surrounded by them and they're being used every day. It's only when you can like kind of step back and go, yeah. what was what was the object that made up my life? And it is that, that it's that visceral reaction of like, oh, like everything floods back. The mom yep. you were at that phase, the, the size your kid was at that phase. So, yeah, there would be no way to identify what that thing would be for me right now or you right now. So also sometimes, and, and I mean, this might be getting into too many specifics, but this isn't one of the things I have listed for later. <laughs> it's sometimes it's not a, um, it's sometimes it's not something you look at, like the smell of yeah. the inside of a diaper, mm-hmm. like a disposable mm-hmm. diaper, that, that perfumey smell. Whenever I happen to be around a baby mm-hmm. and get to change a diaper, which is not very often anymore, like I want to sniff the diapers but before <laughs> the I put ones. them on. The clean ones, they have a very like specific scent. Yeah. And, that's not something you notice when you're buried in it. Right. When you're when you smell that all day, every day, plus the op- plus the version that has pee added to it, yeah. which is a very different smell. <laughs> like you don't you don't even recognize it. You don't. Yeah. It's like when you have a lotion from a time of your life, and then that lotion gets used up, and you don't buy yeah. another one. And then five years later, you go to use the lotion, and you're like, whoa! It takes you right back. Yeah. But when you were every day using that lotion, you yeah. didn't think about it. It was yeah. just every day. Yeah. So yeah, I love it. I love it. 
Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. So we eventually are going to come around to talking about some of these very sentimental objects in our own motherhood experience. But first, we kind of need to go set some set some context here. So I wanted to ask, we've talked about this show tidying up. If you're not familiar, that's okay because we actually haven't watched it ourselves. Um, I have read the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. I feel like you'd kind of have to be living under a rock right now to not have heard of this, but maybe not. Marie Kondo is her name. And like we've said, we've heard good things about the show. We've had mixed feelings about the book, but in general, I I would say come down on, I think she has a lot of good things to say. I also want to eat a little bit of crow. Okay. Because I think that I I had a knee jerk negative reaction for a couple of reasons. First, because as you and I have talked about, we don't like to jump on board trendy things. Sometimes we resist them. Um, and the other thing is that a lot, there's a lot of kind of misinformation running around. Like people are like fake news, fake news. Cause there's this thing going around that, um, she apparently said you should have no more than 30 books and that's not true. Okay. She didn't actually ever say that. So I think people took parts of her book and made assumptions based on mm-hmm. it or kind of 
made their own interpretations of it. And then it was sort of everyone just went with it. Yeah. So I'm just going to say that I I may have at some point in my life made erroneous yeah. comments well, about condo. Yeah. And I was like, I was really straight up about how I felt. The book made me really irritated a lot of it in the reading of it. But then I would find myself thinking about her cornerstone philosophies and really relating to them. So I had a kind of a mixed experience of reading the book, but definitely it's worth discussing. And there's value, I think, in thinking about these things. But I wanted to ask you, like, in general, how does getting rid of stuff usually make you feel like we all got to purge, whether you're a big purger or a reluctant purger? How does that what feelings does that bring up? I have actually become sort of like gleeful about it. (laughs) Um, I can be really sentimental about some things like, and sometimes it's very random. Like I love books from when I was a child, especially books I really liked when I was a kid. I will hang on to ratty, overly well-loved books that I know I'll never even try to read again because they would fall apart. But like they remind me of being a kid and I can't get rid of them. A few of my mother's things like this yellow Tupperware container, you know, like harvest gold Tupperware container Uh that we used a lot. Um, but again, like I've realized if I'm very sentimental about everything, it doesn't really leave me room to be sentimental about specific things. And I've come to a point where I'm so good at throwing things away and getting rid of things that I sometimes I think err on the side of like too unsentimental. Yeah. I, I actually have gone as far as getting rid of things I actually will need in the future because I like the rush I get of getting rid of it. Yes. And then later I have to go rebuy it and I'm annoyed. So it's like, you never can get it perfect. Right. But, um, now I, what I've gotten really good at is listening to myself. So if I have a twinge, I really listen to it Mm -hmm. because my twinges mean something, but it took a long time to get here. I used to be a pack rat when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I was very, I've gone through very sentimental phases. Um, I don't know. What about you? Yeah, no, I relate to a lot of that. I I like what you said about listening to the twinge because we do get a little bit of a rush or a high when we purge. And so sometimes we mute the twinge. Um, (laughs) Like, and I'm thinking of times when you're moving Times when you're just um, overwhelmed with stuff. And so you Mm -hmm. kind of hate everything or times when your home really, what it really needs is a good organization. And there's, I mean, Marie Kondo herself talks about kind of the purging first and organizing second. And I do agree with that because you can't, you can't reorganize when you have too much stuff. Like it doesn't make sense to put the junk in a different drawer or in a fancy container from the container store, but they are interrelated. So if, if something needs to be organized, you sometimes end up purging everything because you're so overwhelmed. It's not organized. So yeah, yeah. I, I like you, I have gone through big swings. I was very, I've always been sentimental about everyday objects, which is why I think I was drawn to this topic. The, the, yeah. the little things that don't seem on the outside to be meaningful, but if they bring you back to a time or place, I love them. So I'm similar with books. Um, and I've gone through phases. High school, I was very sentimental. I had, I had scrapbooks and oh collected gosh. the everything. Did you hang on to tickets? Like oh yeah, movie ticket tickets stubs. and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, like shoe yeah. boxes full. I yep. kept every pair of point shoes I ever wore, which if you dance for as long as I did, <laughs> that's not necessary. Like it's just not necessary to keep all that stuff. And then I kind of swung the other direction. I want to say like late college. And then when I was a young adult, like living on my own for the first time, I don't know if it was that I moved more or I was cheap. I had to like, I, but I got rid of everything, including things from that time in my life that I would love to have like programs from, from dance concerts and things that I I kept nothing. And I didn't, photos weren't great then it was right before digital photos. So it's not like at least with our kids and we're going to get into this, I have so much photographic evidence of little moments and little things that there's a lot I can get rid of and I don't need to hold it in my hand. But from that time period, I, there, there's not good photos either. So I, yeah, yeah, I don't know why I swung so far that way. And then 
I was going to say, even in early motherhood, I, I didn't really think about the longevity of some of this stuff. Like I wasn't one of those people who grew up with like a grandparent's basement where I could go through everything. But now that my kids are getting older and they do have, my mom did save some things and my in-laws did save some things. I am starting to think about, okay, well, could I think even 20 years down the line and what, what would be meaningful to save? So I feel like I'm now coming, yeah, I'm coming back around to listening to the twinge. That was a long way of answering your question. Well, no, I mean, I think it all makes sense. It's, it's funny because I, I mean, like in another life, I could be an archaeologist. I love stuff. I yeah. love things. I read a book by, um, oh gosh, it's called At Home and it's this very, oh Bill, yeah, Bill, Bill Bryson. Blot- yeah. Bryson. Thank I you. I gave you that one. Or I think, yeah, we both read it back yeah. in the day. Yeah. And I loved that book. It was just about, and it wasn't all necessarily about stuff, but it kind of was, it was about like going through like domestic time, life, domestic yeah. life, how it's represented by the way a home might look and function and the stuff inside of it. And also like the ceiling height and like other, you know, just like, but like it was all physical. Yes. It was all material things, the material things. I loved that book. But when I think about things like that, I think I tend to get just as sentimental and nostalgic about things that represent like an entire culture's experience Mm -hmm. of a time more so than like my super specific experience of a time. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't, really anymore. I mean, when I was in high school, I saved every note. I saved every ticket. I saved everything. But I don't really care about um, having a program for the play that I was in in 10th grade so much as I do think that it's amazing that like how many kids have been in a production of Our Town. Oh, I love thinking Like through time. You know what I mean? To me, it's like the way it connects us and the way it connects us to other generations and stuff, I think is what appeals to me. So that's actually made me be have an easier time deciding what I want to hang on to. It it makes it make sense to me why something like my mom's um, very 70s Tupperware yes. is more sentimental to me than like something that was more specific to her. Right. Like everybody had that same Tupperware. Yes. I totally sure. see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know. So it's, it's a different kind of sentimentality. And I think it's um, an interest in, in people and how they, how their stuff and sometimes it, finds them. sometimes it might connect us to something we're not as familiar with. I know. So Brian's grandfather died. He was very old last year and his grandmother, I had never met, but they, the, they were in the same house for like a gazillion years. So his mom went through the basement and she said, you're not going to want any of this stuff. And keep in mind, these are my in-laws. These aren't, these right. are my in-law grandparents, not my own grandparents, but it's a very different cultural life. It's, it's, it's Connecticut, it's new England. It's a much more, their family goes back historically in that area, mm-hmm. much longer than mine does anywhere. And she said, Sarah, you're not going to want this stuff. I said, no, just get me, get me a couple things. Like I have like a lace doily. I don't know who made it, but somebody made it. Mm-hmm. And so, so sometimes it's, it's like, it's almost connecting you to even pieces that you don't have a lot of details about, but it's from, yeah. you know, stuff from the old country or whatever, like our yeah. parents would have kept. So, I mean, that's why I like antiquing. Yes. Like I, I don't have a lot of antiques, but I love to just go and touch things and look yes. at them and think this was in some mom's kitchen in 1950. I mean, right. I just think that is that to me that like gives me a rush. Um, I also think sometimes when something is new and novel, like maybe that's why high school felt like everything was so think about high school. Everything is so fraught. Yeah. Everything you do seems to have so much meaning. Every note you pass is like infused with emotion. Right. And it's like all, and that's kind of how I was when my kids were newborns. Yeah. Like everything was so meaningful in so many ways. And then you get used to them. Yeah. (laughs) And you become better at letting things go. Um, moving a million times helped. Yeah. When I was 
let's see. Jacob and Isaac were like maybe two and four, three and five, something like that. And I had like a rapid succession of moves, like three moves right in a row. Actually, maybe William was a baby. Okay. Um, I think William was a baby. And so they were four and six. And I realized after unpacking that fully one half of the boxes mm-hmm. were toys. <laughs> now, you know, I hadn't been, I hadn't had set up housekeeping for that long. I yeah. didn't have that much furniture or whatever. They, we had more toys than books. We had more toys than stuff in the kitchen. We had more, we had so many toys and we didn't even have like a, like a big toy budget, but yeah. anything anyone gave me, I would take and keep. Mm-hmm. If I pick stuff up at a yard sale, which I did a lot because I don't know, I had like little kids and it was an easy, fun thing to go do, spend five bucks and get some crap. And I hung on to all of it. And that was when I started, I think I flipped a switch mm-hmm. and I started getting really good at getting rid of stuff yeah. um, and much more selective about it. But yeah. it's a, it's a muscle that you flex, right? It, it doesn't is. happen overnight. And it goes in big swings because I like the ages that my kids are, I had every reason to hold on to toddler and preschooler and young kid type toys for a long time, even as my older two kids were aging out. Right. Like, I mean, I, I would have done a big purge of baby stuff a long time ago, probably ar- right. actually around the time we moved to California from Arizona, Viola was 18 months. So baby, baby toys and swaddles and, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. But Really, I've had every reason to hang on to little kid stuff for a long time. And she just turned six. And now I'm starting to see the next category of things that just we're going to talk about (laughs) what I'm holding on to. But really, they're not getting played with anymore. But that was a long time because if you have multiple kids, somebody's always moving through them. So it does go kind of in in phases. You can hold on to stuff for quite a while. And then all of a Mm -hmm. sudden it's like, wait, nobody, nobody uses any of this anymore. Well, and in this house is probably the first house I've lived in that does not have any visible evidence of small children. Yeah. No toy bin. The old house. I mean, we didn't hang out with like, we didn't have a toy box anymore, but there was still, you know, there's stuff that just hangs around. Yeah. Like a block, like you have a block and it just keeps getting moving, getting moved from one area of the house to the other. And you don't get rid of it for whatever reason. And like, there's none of that here because when I moved, we got, a dumpster and then dumped the dumpster and then refilled the dumpster. I think I yeah. went through that dumpster four times. Yeah. Um, and I just was really, really careful to make sure what we brought over here was stuff we're actually using or I put it away and now yeah. it's part of the time capsule. Yeah. It, was, it was just a, it was a way of taking what used to be the ordinary every day and, and putting it in a different category, which yeah. is like the special mm-hmm. thing to be remembered. Yeah. And that's pretty big. Like, yeah, that's it is a big milestone. And I like, that's where the twinge, like listening yeah. for that is important because it would be easy to just light it all on fire. (laughs) Um, I was going to ask, so if you, what has survived from your own child having childhood, having moved as much as you did and was your mom sentimental about stuff? Did she save stuff? She was somewhat sentimental. My mom was like really good at saving things for practical reasons. Um, and we had a few boxes in the attic with like papers and stuff in them, but I don't think she wasn't like a pack rat. She wasn't, somebody who hung on to junk and she didn't hang on to every single thing. I think she, her sentiment or her sensibilities were probably pretty similar to mine um, with the way that she hung on to things. So, so yes, there were some things. Um, my parents divorced. So I went back and forth between two households and my mom moved and then she moved again. Then she died like 20 years ago almost. Mm-hmm. So a lot has been lost. Yeah. I do have still almost an entire bookshelf full of chill of books from my childhood, which mm-hmm. I'm hoping Clara will read. But even if she doesn't, that's okay. Yeah. Cause I still read them sometimes. Um, and then I have like two bins that have things like my old journals. Um, like a, I have a dollar or two. Um, 
I have like some random stuff from high school. Not a ton. My stepmom actually just found a box or a bag of stuff that she had found like in her garage attic. Mm-hmm. And it had some really unexpected. I really, I don't actually know where she got this stuff, like a baby outfit of mine that maybe oh, wow. my dad must have ended up with somehow. Yeah. That was kind of fun. Like this picture of me that I remember was always on my um, someplace in my mom. Like my mom always had it up and it's a, and it's still in the same frame and I've got it yeah. sitting on my desk. I mean, it's kind of narcissistic to have a picture of myself <laughs> on my desk, but it just reminds yeah. me of like what it was like to be in my house yeah. when I was a little kid. Yeah. So I do have some, st- I think I have just enough. Yeah. I don't feel overwhelmed by how much I have, but I have enough that kind of, they're all little memory joggers. Yeah. I don't know. How about you? Yeah. No, I, I also, I feel like my mom would tell you that she doesn't feel like she's the most organized person, but I feel like she did a really good job. It's just enough. There's a couple bins. And first of all, they moved a lot uh, as adults, my parents did. Uh, so that means like I lived in four houses growing up, but they've lived in another four houses since I've left. So that means this stuff had to go in and out of storage. And now they're like in their forever home. But yeah, yeah. there's like a couple bins of school papers that I've gone through that are really sweet. Like things again, back to the everyday, it's like a spelling test here or there, yeah. or like a, you know, a note from the teacher or some award or something. It's random. And I love that. Um, and then Yeah. So I do feel like of my own stuff. And then I have a couple boxes or bins from high school. And then I told you, I went through this phase where I kept nothing when I was like 20 to 25, probably. Um, the one thing I think my mom started saving toys a little bit when my, cause my sister's so much younger, she's eight and a half years younger. So there are some toys that my kids play with now that were my sister's, but probably not mine and my brother's just because my mom probably went through a bit of purging in between almost because we were so far apart, but there's some American girl doll stuff and some other things that were my sister and there's a bin of Legos. So that's been really fun to have my kids play with stuff that was ours yeah. when we were little. So yeah, I, I do feel like it was, it's just, a, just the right amount of stuff. The one thing nobody ever saves in my family is clothes. Like I, I found myself wishing my mom had clothes from the seventies or something, or yeah. like, you know how people's moms save outfits and stuff like funky yeah. old coats. And like, I would fit into my mom. Like we're all the same size, my mom and my yeah. sister and I, but there's no clothes. We, I guess we're, we're hardcore clothing purchers. Marie Kondo, well, Kondo would be proud. <laughs> we, I, I was going to say like, I remember there being a box kicking around of clothes that um, were mine that made their way over to me. And then John had a a box of clothes that were his that, so those both made their way to us when we had Jacob. Unfortunately, they weren't old enough yet to be cool again. Right. They were just awful. Like we had no interest. And plus mine were all girl clothes. And and back though, in those days, their stuff was not very gender neutral. So like that was all out. I kind of wish I had some of those had had some of those outfits for Clara. Yeah. But you know, some like sometimes they felt really yucky. Like the fabrics were bad. You're right. You know, so I love old clothes, but I can see why they didn't hang on to that stuff. I agree. I think I've held on to a few things, both of my kids' clothes and also my own clothes that just feel for some reason it's, they feel the twinge, the sentimental, yeah. but oh yeah, I, I like to purge my closet. So it's I very I think I few. told you that, that I have a couple of little shirts and stuff that still kind of make their way around. I don't even know where they're just packed away in like the seasonal clothing. Yes. And sometimes they'll just randomly show up someplace. I'm like, where did this come from? And then I put it back away. And yeah. So it's just fun to see it again, but yeah. like no one's ever going to wear it again. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm really excited because we are going to, um, in, in our imaginations, put together our kind of <laughs> time capsule in a little bit. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, we're all comparing notes on our favorite product, 
Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of our place's products are made without PFAS, also known as forever chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, our place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay. Okay. So in my imagination, we have like two side-by-side clear bin containers that we're going to fill with stuff. All right. The nice thing is it's all imaginary, so it won't take up space in our home. That's the best kind. Um, So let's move kind of chronologically. (laughs) Yes, imaginary mementos. Uh, Although some of these things really do exist in our houses and we haven't condoed them yet. Um, We'll go chronologically. And I guess maybe I'll just ask you kind of what's the memory that this thing holds and kind of what does it bring up for you from that time period? But we'll go kind of quick. Okay. So I wrote down pregnancy and then I don't really have any, I have a couple artifacts from very early postpartum that I'll talk about in a minute, but I don't have a specific thing I would save that reminds me of pregnancy. Do you? Well, so one thing to think about is I started doing my postpartum prep pretty early in pregnancy. So like I had things like depends in my cabinet for months, Okay, which is kind of a funny thing to think about. Like I would like take them out and stack them up so that they'd be really close, like in the under sink cabinet so I could grab them. Um, And also I did hang on to some maternity clothes for Uh quite some time. Like, so that was something like I, I actually wore maternity clothes. Did you have a favorite? Is there like a pair of jeans or a shirt? shirt? Yeah. There's a shirt I remember super well. It was a navy blue shirt and it was right when maternity clothes started to get cute Mm -hmm. and they weren't just like, they started getting really good at, um, ruching Mm -hmm. and gathers and stuff. 
So this shirt had the ruching up the side, yep. the little elastic and you, and I wore it probably six months after the baby, maybe longer. I might've worn it for a whole first, the whole first year. It was super flattering. And when I was early pregnant, it, you know, it looked good on me. And then as I got bigger and bigger, it just stretched and then yeah. it sprung right back down. I think yeah. I got it at motherhood maternity. Yeah. Um, but actually the, the one thing that if for my personal pregnancy, not for everyone's pregnancy, um, if I could find a way to like freeze dry or spray <laughs> shellac on a strawberry funnel cake, um, I like that you get at a carnival. Yes. Okay. okay. So when I was pregnant with Jacob, I felt super smug because I had not thrown up and it was, I was like maybe nine or 10 weeks along and okay. I felt great. And then John and I went to this little street side carnival that popped up and I ate a strawberry funnel cake. <laughs> and then I upchucked strawberry funnel cake. And then that started like a month long period where I threw up constantly. Oh no. That is so in my worst. mind, I've never been able, and yeah. I like funnel cakes, but I could never get them with strawberry topping ever again. You can't go back. I oh, can't go back. So, so the feeling that that raises in me is nausea. Yes, it would. And the feeling that the maternity outfit would raise in me is like feeling cute. Yeah, I guess. I like it. I don't know. I do. I do have a shirt I can think of. I didn't think of it at, at the time. But yes, that just especially when you're like seven months pregnant and you're not totally gigantic yet. Yes. But you've got a nice belly to show off. Yeah. Um, OK, so we can do infancy is the next phase. And I'll go first since you just okay. went. Um, so these are things I would toss in my time capsule. A newborn comb that would come from the hospital is mm. like that light yellow plastic. And they always had yep. the finest teeth of any. I couldn't buy a comb for baby hair better than the ones I got from our hospital, at least. Like, I don't know if my baby's hair was just super fine, but I also had babies with cradle cap yeah, and those and combs were really them. good at like scraping them. And they were so, and they were just small. You could travel with them. I felt like I would even do toddler girl hair using that comb because it was, it was just a good little comb. Do you know what I remember about those combs what? that I had completely forgotten about? What? Um, you know, when you have a baby, you spend a lot of time sitting around yes. holding the baby. Well, I would like run my nail uh -huh. down and it made a very specific like musical sound. Like, like different than a larger comb. Cause the, the, um, teeth were so flexible yes. and small. Yes. This now so I want to hear that. I wish. Okay. So someone who has a newborn or a newborn comb. <gasps> yeah. Send us a video. Please send us a, a Vox or a, <laughs> or a video or just a recording of you running your finger, like your fingernail over it, like a xylophone. I mean, we've asked a lot of weird things of you guys over the years. <laughs> that might be the weirdest. Yeah, it's an audio cue. Hey, we're audio people, right? That's so funny. Okay, moving on. In addition to my newborn comb, I would throw in the extra large water, water bottle they sent you home with. Well, you didn't have hospital babies after the first one. so No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, so it's just a plastic water bottle, but it holds, I don't know, 60 ounces of water. You guys tell me, 48. It holds some... To drink out of? Yes, but it has a oh. one of those accordion plastic straws and it's it's big around. So it's as big around as like a pitcher, but it's a, a personal water bottle, like a giant beer stein, like that. Oh, shape. my sister had one mm -hmm. of those in her cabinet exactly. forever. Exactly. It's a it's yeah. a hospital water bottle. I mean, they have them in all. Mine would have said Scottsdale Shea. Very yeah. nice hospital for those of you who've given birth there. It is a very very nice hospital. They take great care of you. But those just remind me of postpartum life because you're trying to drink all the water and you'd have it by your bed and then you'd carry it downstairs and have it by your nursing chair. And I'm not a great water drinker anyway, but I, you know, I was trying my best right. to stay hydrated for the breast milk. And, you know, I got one all three times. And anytime I see one of those, it's just, it just brings me right back to postpartum. Um, I love that. And also, um, 
for some, even though I only had one baby in the hospital, it's interesting that I still have memories of certain hospital items yeah. associated with my babies. And yeah. I don't know if it's because I hung on to them all from Jacob, like the bulb syringe, the blue yes, bulb, the bulb syringe. syringe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just certain things. I had, a, I somehow got my hands on a couple hospital receiving blankets. So okay. I don't know how that yeah. happened. People must have given them to me. I yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Um, okay. And then a couple more quick ones. One is my favorite nursing tank top from Target, which at the time seemed very convenient. It was like a built-in shelf bra nursing tank top. And I would layer them under something else, like a cardigan or something. And I wouldn't even have to wear like a regular nursing bra because it was, it held you up enough and you could, anyway, those were great. I think they make them way better now. Like thinking back, they weren't actually that great, but they, they were when they were clean, I was always happy. If they were dirty, I was in some ugly nursing bra that I didn't like. Um, and then target, remember the Circo brand from target before they switched to like cat and Jack and anyway, targets like generic brand. They had these thin washcloths that I would bathe my babies in and they were like Terry on one side, like super thin. Like these ones are there and we still have them and they're so useful. I'd use them Mm -hmm. for I don't know, wiping baby. They're just really gentle and thin. And that would have to go in there because they're still in our drawers. And I still use them for random stuff. And I don't know. I want to say for a while we were using those as cloth napkins. Okay. The the ones I am talking about are so small. That's why they work so well. because they're they're, they're square and they're just everything with newborns. Everything feels so big and bulky and scratchy and hard. And these were just really soft and they worked well for a little spit up and little everything. I almost like better than a burp cloth because I had so many of them, like a hanky almost anyway. All right. So baby, what's going in your baby section? Um, Baby socks. Oh, specifically the ones that are like Again, like Terry on the inside yes. and like kind of squishy on the outside. Now, those ones never stayed on my baby's feet very well. Yeah. No, I guess none of them really did. Yeah. Um, But they just are so, they just remind me yeah. of little baby feet. Yeah. I will say that they also still come up in my wash sometimes. And I'm like, why are there baby socks yeah, in where did, my wash? And I don't get rid of them. I just toss them back in. I love that. And then they'll end up getting in the wash again. I'm like, so no one's wearing these. No. Something's happening here. Um, so that's one of them. That'd be an easy one. Um, Lansino tubes. I feel like every uh-huh. time I had a new baby, I ended up getting a couple things of like nipple cream, yep. the Lansino. Yep. And then I never would get all the way used. And then I would leave it around because it's really useful for things yeah, like, good for you know, rashes skin. and mm-hmm. lips and all that kind of stuff. But like I never managed to get all the way through one tube. Mm-hmm. So at one point I just had them like accumulating in my medicine chest next mm-hmm. to my bed, like in my bedside table. Um, so that would definitely be one of them because they were just everywhere for and that a while. Smell, that smell would that be a, smell, a, tr- a trigger yes. for me t- for sure. And then like baby wipe containers. Specifically, I'm thinking about the little plastic ones that th- the more empty they are, the flatter they get. And then sometimes, mm-hmm. did you ever have this experience where you thought you were out of wipes and then you dug one out and you were super <laughs> excited, but then all the wipes were dry? Yes. Or well, there was like one yeah. like wadded up yeah. wipe at the bottom and you have to go like rehydrate yes. it. Yeah. So those would all be things from... I switched to like seventh generation or some like, you know, environmental brand toward the end. And they, I mean, they were good on baby. They they had good things about them, but they dried out way faster than uh, okay. the mainstream brand. So it was like, I felt like I was like throwing money away. Cause if they got, and I lived in Arizona. Okay. Which is the driest place on the planet. Right. And you'd reach for wipes and you could feel it. Cause it wasn't heavy anymore. And, and there's like a hundred in there and they're completely zapped. of. And any you moisture. know that feeling yeah. like you, your mom senses yeah. are so finely tuned that yeah. you know, the difference between yeah. uh, the way a baby wipe container should feel yes. and the weight of when they're all dried up. I'd, yeah. I would just go pour water back over yeah. them and rehydrate. Okay, them, that's but... really smart. I, I don't think I ever learned that. Oh, well, oh. it's just it's just water, Sarah. 
Well, I know, but it felt probably like more trouble than it was worth. Well, I that's, guess well especially if you're holding a baby, like in a poopy baby at the time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So toddler next. I have a few. I'm going to try and be quick, but this is definitely where I start to get more sentimental. So we have a set of blocks that are by Fisher Price and they're the little people. So they still make Fisher Price little people sets. You know, you can get the yeah. barn or the bus or whatever. But at the time, they also had these fit together blocks, almost like like not like Duplos, not that complicated, like baby easy, where yes. it's like one thing. And so we had a bunch of sets. And when Violet was a toddler, she called all blocks boom booms because she would knock them over. So it would like oh. the blocks go boom. So she called them boom booms. And we had one little set that was a party, like one little character had balloons and then you would set up the birthday party. So we call, we still to this day call our set of Fisher Price, little people, blocks and people. We call them boom, boom party. <laughs> That's what Violet called him. Um, and that I would have to put, I couldn't put the whole set in this imaginary time capsule, but I would put a couple of the blocks and a couple of the people. And we always liked those Fisher Price little people because toddler hands could hold on to him so well. You could throw one in the, and we ended up with all kinds. We ended up with like a superhero set, but they're all those fat squat little Fisher Price people, yeah. um, plastic people. So that would go in there. Um, night nights are my kids loveys. They all have the exact same kind of loveys and they've all been kids attached to their loveys. So I've just spent many years of my life keeping track of little blankies. And I have lots of mental images of having the night night sticking out of my pocket of my jeans or my purse, right. you know, carrying it around. Um, I would have a one piece pajama set, not a particular yeah. one, just any Anyone that zipped or buttoned up and I'm picturing like an eight month old baby in it where they just have that heft and you lift them out and it's just the footed pajamas. I just feel like that emblemizes baby to me and toddler. Um, and then I would have a couple books in there. We had one book that was like the first 100 words where it's just a bunch of pictures of animals and stuff. You know, those books where it yeah. was like they when they get to toddler age and they have fun pointing out like, where's the kitty? Where's the right. house? Where's the shoes? Um, and we had one that all three of my kids just loved. And a lot of their first words came from pointing to that and saying something. And then my last one is Reed had a book about dinosaurs that we still have. And it is so incredibly graphic. It shows... It shows like the meat eaters, like tearing the flesh of the plant eaters in these really graphic drawings. And he called it the meat book because he only wanted to read about the meat eaters. And he was two and wanted, to, that's all he would let me read every nap and every bed. And I was reading these scientific descriptions of basically meat eating dinosaurs for months. That's so funny. And we, st I was just doing a book purge upstairs and I came across the meat book. I'll have to post a picture of it. The, the spine is completely gone. Um, but that was a big part of read aloud. So that Aww. was a lot of toddler items. Sorry. That's okay. I have a few. Um, so for me, one thing would be this, um, a little pair of, uh, Minnetonka moccasins. So I don't know if, I don't know if that's a brand everyone would recognize around here. It's huge. I've heard of it through you, but yeah. And they're just, you know, it's, it's Minna, Minna, it's probably out of Minnesota. Yeah. Who knows where I'm sure it's a native American name, but anyway, there are these cute little leather mo moccasins. And I can't remember if they were the same pair or if I bought pair for um, William, Clara and Owen, at least maybe Owen, Isaac had a pair, but they wore them for a long time uh, and they're adorable. They're just like little soft bottom yeah. shoes. Great for like a toddler just learning to walk and we're just so cute. And so um, I'll never forget those. And that would definitely be one of those things. If I hold it, I'd be like, yeah, oh, little fat toddler feet that sometimes smell actually. <laughs> um, so speaking of blocks, we had these like, remember, well, you probably won't remember because this would have been way before you started having kids, but Target added this like 
row, this aisle, when Jacob was maybe like a year old and they had $5 toys, $10 toys, $15 toys, and $20 toys. Oh. They had not had that before that. And okay. it was like they had their own private label Target brand okay. toys. Okay. And they were cheap and we were poor. Yeah. So I remember buying one, I think it was either probably his second Christmas maybe, or maybe some other gift giving event where we got him these big plastic blocks for five bucks. And they were like, they're not even blocks really. They were like shapes and they almost, they snapped together almost like a necklace. Okay. So those, these have been around forever, but this was just yes. this particular brand. And I got them and they made it through all of the kids. Oh. So, and they were cheap and like, yeah. I don't even know if the kids ever really liked them, but I just couldn't bring myself to get rid of them. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing would be the wire roller coaster. We had that dang, you oh, know right. what I'm talking about, yep. like uh -huh. the beads. Yep. We had that thing for so long and I like playing with it. I kind of was bummed to get rid of it. I think that was like two Was yours ago. on like a wooden block kind yeah, of? Yeah, I think it, it was Melissa stand. and Doug. Yeah. It was on a stand. And I mean, you know, you just sit there like it'd be on the coffee table and I'd be sitting yeah. there on the phone or whatever, yeah. kind of absentmindedly hitting it with one of my fingers. Yeah. And I had like kind of a hard time getting rid of it, but it just took up so much space. Yeah. It's not like the kind of thing you can stash away. I remember liking those as an older kid. There's something, you know, like if yeah, we were they're like somewhere. Meditative. Yeah, they are meditative. And oddly, I don't think we ever had one for any of my kids. Oh. We had other things that had like beads you push around, but not the traditional wire maze, like yeah. bead maze thing. Hmm. Huh. Now I need to get one for my, grand yeah, so for my play future grandchildren. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on up, I have a shorter list for like preschool and kinder age, like age like three to six. And this is the stuff where this is the stuff that is really still in my house right now. But it's it's kind of what what would remain when I start to right. get rid of. Um, so one would be a little Lego creation that Reed does. I mean, he does so much Lego and he loves the sets that come with the instructions, but ultimately it all like, you know, gets broken back down and he'll just put together these random, you know, it's always like a ship or a machine of some kind, but it's of his own creation and he'll wander out of the dining room and show us. So there would have to be some kind of a Lego creation. Um, Calico critters have definitely been a fixture in, I wouldn't even say the girls have played very much with them. That's the weird thing. They acquire yeah. calico critters. They like to have them. They have them. And they, I shouldn't say they don't. They have gone through phases, especially if a legger had a friend over, they would play a lot with the calicos. I don't, I mean, I actually don't love how much calico stuff we have. Some of it drives me bananas. But if I were having a time capsule, I would have to put probably some calico furniture. I really like all the, all the house stuff of calico. Yeah. Well, I'm, Claire went through a little phase, but yeah. similar, like, she had, she liked having it and would yeah. set the houses yeah. up, but I don't remember her spending a lot of time acting out anything with the characters. Yeah. But the thing that sticks in my mind was the little easy chair. Oh it yeah. Was, I think it was the bunny, like the little bunny log house yeah. or something. We, have, I we literally, I think have everything that Calico makes. It's <laughs> embarrassing because for a while it was like, that's what Allegra was into. So then every birthday, the grandparents yep. would. So we have, and but I do, the furniture is what I like the best because the houses take up a lot of space and they, yep. they don't seem as well made, but the animals and the furniture are really cute. So there'd have to be some Calico in there. Violet at this same age is super into the beanie boos, like the stuffed animals that are made by the beanie yep. baby, you know, and she has so many of them and it's just so cute. She just always has one with her. And like, she always picks a different one to bring with her. I know Clara was really into her animals and stuff. Claire like that still likes doing stuffed animals. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, beanie boos will be in my house for many years, you know, from now, but if I ever do purge, um, I would keep one for the, 
for the. Um, I feel like I yeah. feel like some kind of stuffed animal for that age is yeah you've very got to. necessary. And then I've talked about the fishy cup on the podcast before, the pink cup that my kids have fought over for so long, and it, nobody fights over it anymore. And I don't really even need small cups anymore. Like we really are. My cabinets are ready to be pretty done with plastic bowls and plates mm-hmm. and we still have some, but like if they, if they need to get thrown away, I don't replace them. So before too long, we'll just have regular glasses. Yeah. But the fish, yeah, we have glasses and mugs cup. and no plastic cups anymore. That's yeah. so funny. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So how about you for the preschool? And that can kind of become a problem when people come over and they have little kids. I'm like, uh, I'm yeah. that person now. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to give you. I don't have any <laughs> plastic anymore. Um, okay. So for that age range, I would say Play-Doh. Oh, yeah. If I had to think of one thing that summed up the entirety of the three- <laughs> to six-year-old age range, there was always, always Play-Doh out on the table. Yeah. Half-dried Play-Doh in various forms around. Um, Play-Doh squished together on a piece of wax paper. Yeah. Play-Doh tools. Yeah. Play-Doh things, that, like the little things where you like put oh, it yeah. in and then you squish it out. Yeah, and I have those. The shapes. Yeah. Um, the thing where you think the jar has Play-Doh in it, but it's empty and you go to grab it and then you realize you're somehow out of Play-Doh, yeah. which seems impossible. <laughs> I used to buy... all you do is run into Play-Doh <laughs> till Play-Doh. you want some. Yes. And like, I used to buy the ones like there were the tube would have like the 12 little mm-hmm. ones. Yes, I know exactly So that my kids mean. could have new colors because yep. they were getting sick of the three pack colors. Um, the smell of Play-Doh, yeah. just like the way it feels, the little crumbs that would get in the hardwood floors, like the cracks yes. of the floors. Uh, just and in the table and like there would be like the, the Play-Doh smudge on the table and you yep. kind of wait for it to dry a little <laughs> bit and, and then uh, flake it off with your fingernail. Like yep. just everything about that just to me exemplifies that age. Same with Crayola watercolors. Uh-huh. We bought a lot of Crayola watercolor sets. Clara is an artist now, yes. so she doesn't use Crayola anymore. Oh, no, she wants quality. Sorry. She's an artiste. Yes. Um, but for a long time, like they were constantly out with some open coloring book. And to me, that is what I love about that is it's every one of my kids. Yeah. It's not like, you know, the boys all had their different things they were into and toys that were trends and they kind of yeah. came in and out and like one was in Bakugan and another one was into this and that. And, but, but those two things, Play-Doh and watercolors. Yeah. And I had them when I was a yep. kid. It's like just classic staples. Um, and you know how, like, how yucky, like, the watercolor thing, um, the lid of the little case gets, yes, you open yes. it up and it's got just yeah. crap all inside of it. And, like, the color becomes kind of a sludge color because yep. they all mix yep. together. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing would be sippy cup lids. Yes. Like and the take I, and toss ones, like the ones with the straw or? All of them. All, any sippy like cup lid. Any sippy cup lid. Because my kids were still sometimes using them at the age of three. They weren't yeah. at six, but at three. And what makes them sort of reminiscent of that age too, is that they hung around forever. Yeah. Yeah. And you would always, so if I had to assign a feeling to the way I would feel when I held a sippy cup lid in my hand, it was initial hope followed by crushing disappointment because the chances of finding a clean cup that fit the lid and the straw part or the valve, and the straw part yeah. or the valve, yeah. all those pieces going together at once yeah. was very like when it happened, it was so exciting. Yeah. And, and that's when I, I would get good at or not good at that's the wrong word to use. I would have a lot of optimism that maybe my kid didn't need the valve this time. Right. You would try that one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or like free flows. Yeah. Right. I'd be like, oh, it's fine. 
They're big enough now. And they just That's more of a toddler themselves. thing. But I'd be like, you can handle it, but don't turn it, you know, don't turn it upside down. Oops. I mean, they're used to it with the valve. Like, yeah. like they're going to figure it out. I yeah. mean, I can't tell you how many spills yeah. we had because I, I was just desperate yeah. to give them something with some kind of liquid slower. Yes. Yes. But it really wasn't until our last move that I cleared the last of the sippy cup lids out. They just hung on. And I had not had a preschool aged kid. I had not had a kid who wasn't drinking out of a regular cup by that point for many years. Yeah. You know what I'm remembering as you talk is I remember the reverse of getting rid of sippy cups. I remember this moment when I had one baby and she was, you know, a little over one yeah. and, and realizing I needed kind of a, a drawer or a bin for sippy cups uh-huh, and lids. There's so many. And then having this moment, you know, at this point, I'm only a year into parenting and having this feeling like, oh my gosh, my life has changed so much. I need a drawer for sippy cups. Like, whereas now you're kind of on the other end. Like, oh my gosh, my life has changed so much. I don't need a drawer for sippy cups. And when my kids outgrew the sippy cup, I tossed the lids in a drawer. I don't know why I hung on to them. I should have just thrown (laughs) them away. For the time capsule. Right, I know. And then I let the kids like drink out of the sippy cups as regular cups, which doesn't really work that well because there's like the ring around the top and they're oddly shaped. And yeah. You just hang on to it. You think you'll make the best of it. And, you know, that phase is way behind me now. So crazy. So funny. Okay. Well, so we're into elementary and on up. And this is where, you know, my kids are right now. And so this is where, like we were saying earlier, it's a little hard to to know what will feel sentimental. I think the categories of things I've noticed is um, anything that all three kids have used. And because I have girl, boy, girl with clothes and certain toys, it doesn't always work that way. But there's certain books or certain um, cups and plates and things like that, that if all three kids have used them, then it, that means it represents many years in a row. And those are the things that I think kind of start to feel sentimental. Um, I, I think that probably dress up clothes and costumes, we still have those right now, but those will be definitely sentimental to part with because it's all the memories of them wearing them. Um, yeah. I put on there a pair of natives, which is the shoe brand that all three of my yeah. kids wear right now. And I just feel like it will in 10 years, it will totally bring me right back to this phase of having, you know, mid-sized kids um, yeah. running around in the neighborhood, not teenagers yet, not toddlers anymore. So that's kind of what I came up with. But I don't I don't have as many specifics because I'm in it. Yeah, I would have to say. Well, and also my kids, I can't think of a single thing that all of my kids have shared. Right. Um, like right now, Clara, you know, she was big into like tutus and skirts and silks and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we still have them in a bin. No one's using them anymore. But like I hang on to them because it's like dress up stuff. And, yeah, and yeah. at some point they'll probably become part of the Halloween bin. Some of the yeah. things already have become part of the Halloween bin. But the boys were never that they had like um, superhero outfits. But yeah. They were never into putting on tutus really. Yeah. Um, and like I'm trying to think of another one. Oh, the boys, I will say William and Owen both had like little razor scooters uh-huh. that they used probably from the time they were like four and six up until they were like not seven and nine uh-huh. pretty like all the time religiously so that's kind of a fun little memory but yeah. then clara didn't really pick that up so much she yeah. had that she had that great scooter that we kept in the house oh yeah um, the, the micro kickboard the micro kickboard yeah that we kept in the house but that was different it wasn't like she wasn't getting around the neighborhood on yeah. it it was like in the house and everybody was playing on it yeah. which is kind of fun but like the high schoolers were playing on it um we also had the chinese spoon which is like our version of your of your fishy cup yeah and that was the spoon that the boys fought over and yeah. it's the one that's got the funny shape on yeah. it. Yeah. Do you still and have it? I do. Okay. So it um, will go in the, it will, it hasn't been given but away. Clara didn't have anyone to fight with over it. <laughs> the whole point was you have yeah. to have someone that's going to fight with you. Yeah. And the boys each had a sibling close in age to yeah. fight with. And Clara didn't have anyone yeah. to fight with. So, um, 
Yeah, no. So, so that's it. And it's so hard. It's really hard to know like what that would, I don't know what that thing is going to be because Claire is still in the elementary school age, but I will say a lot of it is already gone by nature, by virtue of the fact that Clara played with toys differently than the boys did. And she interacted with the boys differently than they interacted with each other. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Well, one thing we will have for sure is your blog posts, this podcast, all (laughs) the pictures that we've taken. Like I feel like a lot of the documentation of the last few years is and as kids outgrow like a lot of material play things a lot of it is kind of what's in the pictures or what you know what we've written down and stuff like that yeah oh all right I I feel a little sentimental me too I was just gonna say I feel like I want to go around the house and pick up items and see if they have a vibe or make me feel a certain way I know and then you'll at some point you'll also want to get rid of it all but you really done when you moved into that house you really probably did a pretty good we did a very a good, good. A very good purge. Yes. A very good. Purge. But there's still, there's still stuff. There always is, right? Always. Well, um, listeners, I would love to hear what is in your imaginary um, time capsule, what you would keep or what you do keep. If you have a, an actual bin of mementos like this, I would love to hear about it because I'm not that organized. They pretty much stay in my house until I decide to keep or chuck. Um, and I did pick a cue it up an episode from the archives for you guys to go back and listen to. And this is a good one for this time of year. It's called stocking your house for stuck inside days. And maybe that's on my mind because it has been raining here for six days straight. Um, and it's about, it's about what to keep in your house when the weather's bad or you've got sick kids or you're going to be stuck inside for a while, which happens this time of year. Megan, this was fun. This was very fun. um, I'm so glad that you're in California right now with me Me in real life. (laughs) In real life, I know. I'm landing right now. So guys, watch the Instagram this week because we are together. So we'll be sharing fun stories and adventures from our time together. All right. We will talk to you soon. Bye. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.